Hey everyone, thanks for joining. Today I'm speaking with Rebecca Christensen. Rebecca is a young adult fiction author, and she's got a new book out and also a new short story about uh, quarantine. Um, her new book is We Make Mayhem. Her first book was Maybe in Paris, and the short story is Quarantine Diary of Adam Garrett. Hey Rebecca, thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. So, young adult fiction. Okay, obviously, uh, I got to admit, like right now, I don't particularly read a lot of young adult fiction because I'm an old man. But <laughs> like, wh what got you into it? Like, because I I loved reading as a kid. I, I've mm -hmm. you know since I could read, and I started going to my school library. I read all the time. Um, yeah. So you know, like, like, like again. You know, so what got you into it? Why'd you start writing? Um, if you want to go from there, and see where yeah. it goes. Yeah, it's quite a story. <laughs> so, well, I, I was the same. Um, ever since I could read, I was off the ground running with reading to the point where I had a favorite book at the school library in kindergarten. And I loved it so much and wanted to take it out every single time to the point where I was no longer allowed to take that book out anymore. <laughs> And I, I distinctly remember the librarian taking it from my hands and saying, let's go look at some other books. <laughs> so I was an obsessive right from the get-go. That book was Stella Luna by Janelle Cannon, which is a picture book about a bat. And I now own my own copy, <laughs> even though I don't have kids. <laughs> uh, and then uh, right away, I was writing my own stories as well, kind of just taking paper from the printer and writing and illustrating my own. My first one is about a girl who lost her pet sheep. And uh, which sounds like it would be like a nice tragic story. Maybe they get reunited at the end. But at the end, the sheep was found dead and she gets a pony instead. And I <laughs> I spun it like a happy ending. It's really disturbing <laughs> to read now. <laughs> it's it's uh, quite, it, it's, it's well, kind of creepy. Well, I, I, I guess subconsciously you wanted a pony. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I killed all the sheep for the pony. Uh, it's oh yeah, it's really funny. But that was my only really original one. Most of the others were like ripoffs of my favorite books. So I would like kind of draw the Berenstein Bears characters and give them different names. And I was into the fan fiction thing early, I guess. But uh, I kept writing. Um, and then when I was thirteen, I wrote my first novel, which was a young adult novel which was absolutely terrible and we'll never ever see the light of day, but it was, it was the first one. And then all through high school, uh, I was kind of this weird nerd who had like two friends. And so I, I wrote a lot. Um, and then I kind of became known at my school for my writing because we, we would have like reading periods in school where it was like the first, you know, 20 minutes of the second period, everyone would have to read. And there were all these people who didn't have, books with them or there weren't enough books in the classroom that period or whatever so and this is before smartphones so you couldn't just read on a phone um so i would start passing out pages of my stories to my classmates and then they would want to read them for longer so i would lend them the stacks of paper overnight and then they would pass them around uh, so I, it was really interesting because it brought me in contact with like people in the school that I would never have known otherwise, like older girls who were really scary, but they would come to me and be like, oh, can I read this story? My friend loved it. Um, so that was my high school experience as a writer. And then I graduated, went to university for creative writing for three terms and then dropped out because it was terrible and I hated it. And, 
And by the end, I was skipping more classes than I was attending. And I was going to sit in the library and work on my writing. So I figured, like, this is such a waste of time. I should definitely stop paying for these classes that I'm not going to. So I did. And then I just switched to working full time, always kept writing. And then in 2017, my first book, Maybe in Paris, came out. And uh, since then, I've still just been writing, trying to grind for that second book deal. <laughs> but uh, this year, I experimented with Wattpad, which is a Canadian um, social media site for posting writing. And it has 80 million active users a month. So it's a really, really big platform. But my books, We Make Mayhem and The Quarantine Diary of Adam Garrett are up on there. And yeah, that's kind of where I am now. Okay, cool. I got to ask you this about the university thing because I had something similar, but with science. Mm. Um, I I, I shouldn't say I have something similar. It's just like, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, you know, ascribing motive to you. Uh, But like, what was it about it? Like with me, with the science was, you know, I did really well in science in high school. It was always in honors, always took advanced courses. And I get to college and I'm having my teachers tell me that if I don't do it the way they taught me, they're going to fail me. Even though I'm doing it, I'm showing my work, everything's there. It's not like I haven't learned it. It's not, but no, I had to do it that way. Like with the creative writing, I'm just, was it more just like, here's the technique and follow this technique. So you have to do an introduction and then, you know, like, like your, your classical essay, right? In school is like five paragraphs, blah, blah, blah. And like, was it like, was that what it was or was it, where where, it was, was it was definitely um, teachers telling you what to do, but it was more like um, like the first creative writing class I had, because I took general courses mm-hmm. in history and all this stuff, but the first writing class I had, I sat down, the teacher comes in, and he's like, we're only going to be writing poetry in this class. He's like, I'm not taking any fiction submissions, I'm not taking any short stories, we're just doing poetry. And that was not what I wanted to do. So it was frustrating because, you know, like you're there to kind of develop your craft and you have someone telling you, no, we're only going to be doing this thing that's totally unrelated. So that was frustrating. But also it was just kind of the culture of the classes. Like it was kind of expected that you would go to. So this is in Vancouver, but I lived outside of Vancouver. I commuted and there was kind of an expectation that you would be going to cafes and bars for readings that I just couldn't go to. So there was kind of a a clique aspect where it was like this club of writers. And and also a lot of the people in the classes had never written anything in their lives. Like there was no uh, selection for this program whatsoever. So it was like I was there. I'd already written, you know, a ton of novels and I was very serious about it and like working to get published at that time and everybody else in the class is like this is my first poem and it was just like what are you people doing this is like (laughs) this is university like you don't need someone else's permission to write like it felt like they were there to get permission to start writing and I was like dude like (laughs) you got to put in the time (laughs) you don't like why are you looking for somebody else's like permission to do this it was very strange Okay, I get that. I mean, okay, so that's, I mean, but that too, like, okay, you have to go to these cafes, right? And I understand, like, the whole idea of, if you go back to, uh, you know, France, uh, you know, Lake Mirror, like the salons, right? Yeah. Okay, yes, yeah, fine, you had people meeting and talking, but they were actually having discussions and they might bring up different things, but to me, this sounds like, um, 
All right, you and I both just read the the Dave Rubin book, and we were talking yeah. about it on Twitter. And I'm just sorry, I only and I said to someone like Dave Rubin is to free thought what hipsters were to being an individual. Yes, and, yeah. and that's Definitely. what like like that's what you're describing there. It just yeah, you go to the same cafes, you read the same books, you talk about the same thing. You learn the theory of it, or whatever, quote unquote, the theory, but you don't have any yeah. practice. Yeah, yeah. So these people didn't seem to be really interested in in writing. They seemed to be interested in being in a club, being in like the cult of personality of the teacher, because a lot of the teachers were like, kind of, I don't want to say like failed poets, but they were like, <laughs> you know, like small time yeah. poets teaching, and kind of had a, a bitterness to them. And uh, it was really easy for them to kind of like make the students think they were cool. And I, the whole time I was just like, I don't want to be like, why would I want to like hang out with this poet at a bar after school? That sounds really terrible and lame. And also I was 18 yeah. um, and the drinking age is 19 here. So like there were parts of the, like there were parts of that culture I couldn't access anyway. So it seemed really like weird to me to have that be like a semi requirement Yes, yeah. like awkward to be like, uh, I, I'm, I'm underage. I like, I can't do that. Yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, and I get it too. Like I get to some degree that, okay, you don't have to be best friends with the people in your class and you don't have to even do anything with them, but yeah, yeah, fine. There's a, you know, there's a author doing a book reading somewhere. Go, go see that. I mean, it doesn't have to be a classroom thing. It isn't. Yeah. Okay. I've got. I like. I said. I. I switched into. I. I started in science. I switched into arts. Mm. But even, it, granted, this is back in the you know late eighties, early nineties. Um, but you know, fine. There was group assignments or anything like that. But there was no. Okay. There's this conference. Everyone has to go. There was nothing like that, right? I mean, a teacher might say, "Oh, there's a conference coming up. If you guys are interested, check it out." Right? Like, two completely different things. Yeah. Um. But I, I mean, I, I just got to ask this just because it's just going a little tangent. But was that kind of like a, we want you to think like this and we want you to write like this? Like, was that kind of like the underlying tone or was it just? Yeah. Yeah. And, and that was underlying the whole program in like very subtle ways. Mm-hmm. Like the way that like, first off, like that one teacher's requirement, like we're only doing poetry. <laughs> That's a very like, and there were lots of people in the class who were writing sci-fi or writing other types of genres and that was pretty looked down upon which i think is like really normal for creative writing programs in general and like writing in canada anyway like can lit is very has a very very strong presence which is this like canadian literature it's like a genre and a culture and it has its tentacles in all the universities and it has its own scandals and everything but yeah, it was just this kind of like underlying message of everything that was like, there is one way to be a writer and we are going to teach you the one way. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. I get it. And like, like I said, that was the thing with me in science. There's only this yeah. way to do it. Right. And I'm like, yeah. you know, creative writing or whatever, any creative outlet, how can there be only one way to do it? And yeah, <laughs> science, science even tells you that. Okay. And that's just it. Science doesn't do anything. Science is the methodology, but the methodology is prove the way you're doing it and if you can prove that then it's accepted and that's yeah but these guys weren't following that so yeah i mean i don't know personally for myself it just felt like a betrayal of what i was 
taught in high yeah. school and what I wanted to do. And yeah. I don't know if that was for you, if that's something similar. Or... Yeah, it was a really different shift because in, in high school, I was always like, you know, top of the class in English. Mm-hmm. I got the end of year award for creative writing in grade 11, even though it was supposed to be for grade 12s. Um, <laughs> I was super popular among those people. But, uh, and, and like, that was always my thing. And like, English teachers really loved me and they would read my workouts to the class. So, you know, like in high school, I was like, this is my thing. I'm going to yeah. do my thing. And then university was just like, no, you're, you're doing it wrong. Which, uh, yeah, so frustrating. All right. Well, let's, let's get off that because that is, that can be a bit of a downer. Um, <laughs> So, all right. So when you got your first book published, um, so like, I know you said you'd had stuff received, but was that a different thing? Like if it's, I mean, it's, it's one thing to give it out to people in your high school, even though kids can be real assholes, (laughs) (laughs) but if, at least if they like it, you know, they're being kind of honest here. Um, but like, what was the difference in that? Like, you know, your book gets out, it gets sold, people start reading it. Now yeah. you're open to, you know, whatever, anyone who wants to take a swipe at you or yep. whatever, right? Yeah, it was um, really different. And it's hard to talk about it. It's hard to talk about it with other writers, especially because we have, like, we're so lucky to get to, to do what we do and to have, like, basically any crumb you get in this industry, you should be grateful for it. So, like, you know, speaking critically about any of your experiences is really difficult, especially on Twitter, because it's so open to yeah. – you, you sound like an idiot being like, oh, being published is so hard. But uh, I'll be honest. Um, it was disappointing. Um, so my book came up with a small publisher, and – the thing with YA novels is kind of every year when there's a new batch of debut authors with their first books coming out, they kind of band together, start like a Facebook group and stuff and kind of brand themselves as like this year's authors. Mm -hmm. So that started happening in like 2009. So my year was 2017. And so like about two years before when all of our books were kind of selling to our publishers, uh, you know, you, you start finding other 2017 authors and making a group. And uh, that can be really, really valuable because I still have a lot of friends from that group. But it's also like really, really terrible if you're the kind of person who kind of, you know, gets a little bit jealous, which all writers kind of are. So like the people in that group, most of them are just kind of famous in YA. But uh, one of them was Angie Thomas, whose book, The Hate You Give, became a movie. Mm-hmm. And it's been on New York, New York Times bestseller list since it came out. So it's like it's it's the kind of thing where like you're so happy for her, but you also just like hate her. <laughs> she's lovely, she's yeah. lovely and and awesome, and her books are great. But you know, there's just something about you know being in like close circles with somebody that's successful that's quite difficult. But so my book came out with a small press, and my editor was fantastic. My agent really loves it, but there's only so much that small presses can do for their books. And it's just, it's just never really enough to give it the kind of head start that you'd want it to. There's never enough marketing dollars in the world. So it, it came out and, um, my family loves it. (laughs) My English teacher from high school loves it. Um, and then every once in a while, like, I meet somebody 
who's read it, like who I don't even know very well. And that's really cool. But uh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a big deal. So, you know, I reckon there's probably less than a thousand people out there who've read it, which like you have to come to terms with. And it's hard to, because you don't really realize it until it happens, but like your dream is to be this like famous author. And then your first book comes out and that doesn't happen. And you like you sound so privileged being like, Oh, I was disappointed I wasn't famous, but like you know, like that's oh. the that's the dream. So oh, yeah, okay, is it fame or is it having your book read? I mean there's Yeah, it's okay, yeah, okay. it's definitely that. You know, like I mean okay, if it came out, people read it and didn't know who you were, yes, that would suck. Yeah, it was but, definitely being read. Yeah. And I mean, okay, like I don't wanna take the you know, take thing away up oh, you know, I wish like not, I wish I was famous, right? Yeah. But like, you wish you were known for your work, which yeah. is because I mean, like that—that's one thing I've noticed a lot. Okay, maybe it's just again me being an old man, but you know, growing up, it's like I want to be a baseball star, I want to be a football player, I want to be you know, or a cop or whatever. But if it was something like big, like you know, a sports star or a celebrity, it was you wanted to be known for something. Now it's yeah. like I just want to be famous. Yeah. It's like not famous for anything just famous for being famous right so like i was just trying to differentiate between that like was it yeah it's i don't think oh, it's yeah. so much the fame thing like is as it's you know it's recognized yeah, it's, for your work that i wanted yeah i wanted more for the book yeah and uh it's so tough because everybody that maybe it's just because i've spoken to them but everyone i've spoken to has loved it and like even my grandfather who's 85 read it and it was so cute he told me like He's like, I know this book isn't written for old timers like me, but I really loved it. It was it was really cute. So like it's it it has something, like people yeah. enjoy it, but um it, the the review world is so cruel. Like there are literally people out there who will just find out surface information about a book and then write a bad review about it. Yeah. Like so if you go to my Goodreads page, there's some like, there's there's some really nice ones, but there is some like cruelty on that page, and like that used to really really bother me. Now it doesn't so much anymore, but it's like it's really tough because it's it's one thing for someone to read it and have valid criticisms, yeah. And there's some reviews where I read them and I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see why they'd say that. I can see why they'd say that, but uh, especially with the hindsight, it's been a couple yeah. of years. But there are some reviews where they just take a look at, like, the attributes of some of the characters. So, like, maybe in Paris is about a girl and her autistic brother. And there are people who just heard that premise, and they were like, oh, it's ableist. And immediately one starred it. Oh, good luck. Like, like that was was so tough. Because, you know, there's, like, a cadre of people who think that any... Any person who's not disabled writing a disabled character is automatically ableist. Yeah, which is like, <laughs> and I mean that, that that's like I've I've been seeing that a lot um, online, anyways. For for oh, how can you write? You oh, know, yeah. How can you write a character from Group X when you're not in that group? It's like, yeah. Well, isn't that and what fiction is? <laughs> yeah, and it was frustrating because it's not like he's the main character. If he was the main character, they might have a little more room for that critique but it's about a sister and her brother 
and like I have a brother with autism that's kind of what inspired the book mm-hmm. so it's not his story it's her story and I would never claim to say it is his story yeah. you know like but uh yeah some people are are really really cruel on that issue but okay you're mentioning something about your grandfather reading it and liking it okay, mm-hmm. like, again like I said I'm not a you know, I don't read a lot of young adult fiction right now, but I was I started reading your book, We Make Mayhem. Mm. Doubt. Yo, I like it so far. It's Joe, it's it's well written. Okay, fine. It's not something I'm gonna go out like that's not the genre I go out and buy and read, but whatever. Like it's it's an interesting book. It's good. But if you think about it, and I it just I wasn't necessarily when I was reading this, but it's just if you take like you're you write about universal themes, right? Fine. You're you're making it set in the modern day or, you know, a couple of years in the future, whatever, but it's present day. Yep. But there are themes that go through it. I mean, like, if you take a look at something like Hamlet, right? Yeah. That is young adult fiction. Hamlet was a young prince. You know, like, yep. it's his story, right? But those are universal yep. themes. Like, Romeo and Juliet, same thing. It's it's young yep. lovers, right? Yep. You know, it's, but they're universal themes that go across, you know, you can cross cultures, you can, you know, definitely cross time or whatever. So, yeah. You know, I, I can see why, you know, you're, okay, obviously it's your grandfather, you know, you know, he's gonna. He, I'm, I'm he's sure, a little biased. Yeah, just a bit, but but still, I mean, you know, like I have a lot of friends who read the Harry Potter books. I love fantasy yep. fiction. I never read them. I it wasn't that I. I thought they were bad or what. I thought it was great that kids were reading them. Right? You know, it's awesome. Yeah. But you know, like I was just like, yeah, whatever. I've I've read a lot of fic- like I've read a lot of fantasy. And it's not like I'm never going to read it again. But I was like, yeah, I don't want to read something that's geared towards kids. Like, you know, like that. That's just my own take on that. Like, but. Um, I don't know where I'm going with this, but the, the young adult fiction, like what, like, are you planning on just sticking with that or would you plan on moving on or like, okay. When they say young adult fiction, like, I mean, are you talking 16 to 25 or like what, what's the age range that they, when they say that, you yeah. know, like, the age range of YA is actually 13 to 18. Okay. So, um, young adult means teen. All right. I don't know why that's just the verbiage that the industry has been using for however long for a couple decades, but yeah. So 13 to 18 um, and anything after that is technically adult fiction, but there's kind of a new um, group emerging of like 18 to 25 sort of, which is being called new adult right now. And we'll see if it actually takes off, but I, I, I'm going to stay with YA for sure. It just seems to be where most of my inspiration and my ideas kind of arise. But uh, I have one or two ideas that are more adult oriented, but um, they keep getting kind of pushed down my priority list. I have like a rank of ideas that I have all the time and different projects get pushed to the top at different times. So we'll see. There's a couple of them that I'm really excited about. So I do hope to write them someday, but primarily sticking with YA. Okay. Do you get daunted by like the stuff we we're talking about earlier? Like, you know, or have you spoken with friends who just like, I don't want to write anymore. Like, I, I just can't take it. Yes. You know, the, um, I've never, I've like, I've been writing since I was six, yeah. which is like, so 22 years now. That's like as long as I've been able to read. So I'm like, there's no going back for me, but I definitely understand people who get daunted by the publishing industry, especially like, like what I've been through since my book came out, just trying to sell another book is really, really hard. Like it's, and, and it's 
nobody talks about that. Like they always, everybody talks about the first book and getting the first book. And then if you read like articles about advice for debut authors, they totally skip the getting the second book step. You know, they'll be like, okay, your first book is out. And then uh, for your second book, do this. And your third book, do this. They never really talk about the fact that that second book might not happen. So it's been really tough to kind of slip in. I feel like I've fallen into a crack kind of like, it's often assumed that just because you've sold one, you're going to have the the next one lined up right away. But uh, I've been, I've been working on a book for five years now and it's on submission to publishers with my agent right now. So like, hopefully that will be my second book, but it's really hard to like go from, okay, my book is out now to, Oh, my book's been out for a year to oh my book's been out for two years and to have that keep going on and to not have anything to you know to be excited about anymore like and you feel you kind of feel judgment from it's probably imagined judgment you but you feel it from the outside you know you you wonder like oh are, are people wondering why my first book is still in my twitter bio and there's no <laughs> like like it, it's such a, a silly anxiety but you definitely feel kind of like the industry's done with you. Well, you feel like you're living the stereotype of the the out of work writer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, but like the, the other thing too, the you know, don't write about this if you're not, you know, don't write about being black if you're not black. Uh, there, there was one recently. I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, I mean, it was in the last couple of months, I think. And you know, young woman, she was getting berated online just because i don't remember the name of the book i think it was um yeah it was about it was about black and it was about being ra- it was about race in america and you know, i was like okay well that's not really you know that, that's not your experience and i mean yeah like okay the publishing end of it okay the business end of it that's that's business and that sucks and it's but that's a necessary evil and it, i mean less and less right now because you can self-publish but the marketing but like the other thing where you know, the call from the societal pressure to for what you should write and what you shouldn't write. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, there's a young girl, she writes science books for kids. Um, I think she's like 13 or 14. I, I could be wrong. I, like you can see her on Twitter. Like I think the, the books are like the Bailey Stardust books or something like that. Okay, yeah. Okay, now, you know, she's seems like a great kid. She's getting these books out, but will she want to continue writing if she sees like that? Like, I mean, like that's going to kill, you know, forget just young adult. That's going to kill art in general. Like, I mean, okay, you can't paint that because that has nothing to do with it. You can't write that. You can't sing that. Um, Like, I I don't know if you're hearing anything about that or is that like, Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. My, so my 2017 debut author group, um, we were the, before that these groups were very cohesive. They worked together. Well, Um, they helped people kind of like authors would interview each other. So you kind of help each other get the word out about your books and that had worked well for since like 2009, but my year was the year that imploded. Um, and it's hard to even sort out what really happened, but the social justice stuff kind of fully came into being in like 2016 in YA, which was when this group kind of fell apart. And, uh, Oh, I remember it was in our group we had like a Facebook group just for the authors. It was like a secret group. And uh, somebody used the word stupid. 
and you know like totally normal everybody mm. uses this word every day yeah. but it was a big issue for for one author who said that it was ableist and uh and you you know you feel bad for like the older people who aren't quite as online who don't know um how these things work how these online pylons work so okay, i I'm just I, have to stop you there you're being ageist right now <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, it's so true though. Like there would be authors who are, who are like a little bit older and, and just kind of getting their footing on social media cause they have books to promote. But, uh, so they, they, you know, they would jump in with their well-meaning like, Oh, I don't think it's bad to use this word, but you know, that's just fodder for the mob. The mob mm -hmm. takes that and runs with it. Mm -hmm. So the group kind of split down the middle with like the super woke on the one side and the, people who were just kind of blindsided by this, like they'd never come into contact with this kind of thing before. And uh, it was really, really sad. And it ended up with the group um, disbanding and kind of becoming this like talked about thing, like being like, oh, you know, those debut groups, they were always toxic from the start. And, and uh, you know, it's very oppressive for marginalized people to be in these de debut groups with white authors. And it was so, like, I just kind of sat back and watched the whole thing and was scared to talk about any of it. But, uh, yeah, and since then, the debut groups have kind of fallen apart, which is sad because it was really helpful to be, like, supported by a group of people going through the same thing. But... Yeah. Okay. And like that, they, they, you know, they said, oh, they're, they're hurting marginalized groups. It's not. But if you have a group like that and it's cohesive and, it, and okay, you're always going to have people you know, who are, you know, assholes for lack of a better term. Um, yeah. But for the most part, if it works well, right. Even those marginalized groups are going to do well. If you splinter, yeah. if you splinter it off like that, like everyone hurts, like no one. And, and, and you see this over and over and over again. Like you, the, like the weirdest one for me was the knitting community. Oh like, yeah. And I was like, what the hell? It's, you know, it's in here. I'll be ageist. I mean, there's little old ladies knitting for Christ's sakes. Like, come yeah. on. You know, like, uh, now it's in running apparently. Like there was an article, oh. in, uh, it was an opinion piece in the New York times yesterday. Uh, how running is that it started in Oregon and it's only for white people. And you know, the <laughs> like, I mean, come on. You yeah. Know, it's just, like everything, like it just it just shouldn't be this, and it's you know it, it's getting ridiculous. Um. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, like the yeah. I, I just keep well, jumping on these little tangents. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the weirdest things was that you know they constantly would talk about how it's harming minorities and marginalized people, but the people who you would think would be the marginalized ones in those groups were the people who went on to be really successful. So like. Like Angie Thomas is in that group. She's black. Her book was by far the most successful. And like, I could I could name like tons of other authors who were on the woke side. They're the successful ones. It's like it's all the people who got kind of mowed under this machine that got you know screwed over. And you'd think they would be the privileged ones, being like white middle class. But I, I don't know. Everything's kind of topsy turvy, and like, and that's fine because their books are good. Like, mm -hmm. the people who are successful deserve to be successful. But it's just, it's there's something kind of wrong with, you know, targeting people for marginalizing others. 
but like yeah. that's that's marginalization. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no, but they, they that, marginalized everyone else. So. Yeah, but that that's just it, right? Like, I mean, it's I, I don't want to stay on this too long, but they, they they well, unless you want to, like I said, yo, we can we can cash this out to death. But it's it's just, I mean, I've read so much of that stuff right now in the last, uh, you know, eighteen months. Uh, yeah, and like the thinking is so wrong. It's you know, as soon as you see a disparity that's racist that's ableist that's sexist that's homophobic that's transphobic it's, it's whatever like it's as soon as you see that disparity there's nothing else but that and now yeah. you have to go find out why it's not like why did this happen let's go look it's yeah. this happened and it's there now we just have to go find where it came from and it's yeah i mean so they're like it's built in witch hunts like it's yep and the funny thing is the publishing industry is like like I think it's wrong for the stuff to focus on the writers because the writers are the ones doing the work, you know, and submitting and getting good and getting book deals and all that. But publishing itself is extremely exclusive. Like it's still, even though stuff doesn't have to be physically based anywhere anymore, it's still based in New York. It's still run with unpaid internships. So, you know, who gets to be editors and agents? It's people with like wealthy families or wealthy spouses who can afford to work for free until they can become an agent. And being an agent is all commission based. So if you're a new agent, it takes about three years before you're actually making a living income from it. So like, it's just, it's so ironic that these people target other writers as the source of oppression when the publishing industry itself is like, extreme, like marginalizes everybody, but the independently wealthy. Yeah. But Okay, sticking on that for just a sec. Those agents, like I was going to ask you that, like Mm -hmm. you have the writers, that's one thing, right? And you Mm -hmm. have a select group of writers who are like, okay, you're you're attacking it. You know, I'm going to have to assume that's like a small minority that gets really loud to break something up, right? But the agents and stuff that are coming in to the publishing houses, and I'm going to say probably starting in about 2000, when like the gender studies and the critical race studies and all that stuff started pushing out master like people with master's degrees and PhDs. Yeah. So they're taking the creative writing courses that you were talking about. Yeah. And they have that mindset and that's what they think is good. And that's what they think. So, I mean, it's, yeah, I'm going to sound like a guy with a tinfoil hat and conspiracy theories <laughs> or whatever, but it's, that's what they're told is good. That's what they're taught is good. Right. Yeah. And that's and, what they're looking for. Yeah. YA is better for that because it's, it, it does self-select like the agents who handle YA are really passionate about YA and they they don't quite have the same elitist mindset towards the product itself. But yeah, they do come from like the Ivy leagues and the yeah. big colleges and they all have these degrees and they all come from writers workshops. And so like there definitely is. And like those things are not, accessible to you know to the average person so it definitely selects for very elite people Uh, and it's okay whatever i'm gonna play identity politics here like you know it's it's these people like okay these people right so the people who go to like harvard and yale and whatever you know uh, wesleyan oberlin all these places i know you're paying 65 grand a year to go to harvard for an arts degree so uh, yeah um but now they're the ones like you're rich, privileged, for the most part white, and yeah. you're telling me that I'm oppressed. And when I say no, I'm not. You're calling me a racist, or, or like you're telling me that I'm too stupid to know. Like 
like that hypocrisy really gets to me. Like I'm like, sorry. Yeah. You want me to be empowered. You want me to stand up for myself. You want me to do this. And when I do, you call me a racist and you call me an uncle Tom or like far worse things than that. Like, it, yeah. and, and, you know, and like you said, they come from privilege. These people like going to Harvard, going to Yale, going to Stanford. It's Cornell. Like these aren't cheap places. And <laughs> no. Yeah. And especially like, and so many of these people, like, and so many people I work with in publishing and stuff, they have these like advanced degrees and like, I like, I don't, I'm so not cut out for university, <laughs> clearly, like, as I said, but like, to just imagining the kind of person who would spend eight years doing that, like, oh, I can't oh. imagine, like, like, not to say that they're like all conformists or anything, but like, I found that environment so oppressive. So somebody who like thrives in that situation is just very, very strange to me. Very mm. strange people. <laughs> Okay, well, uh, the university thing, because I, I spent one of this with a few people. Like, um, I know in Montreal they're talking about maybe not opening up until next year, like like yeah. the, like McGill University, right? So like one of the bigger ones in Canada. Yeah. Um, uh, they're probably not going to open up in September. So there's other universities saying that. Like, I mean, I, I, I've said this before, but if if you don't have, if you don't need to be there for something like medicine, let's say, or engineering, or you know, aerospace, or whatever, where you actually have to physically do something. Yeah. If you're, if you're taking an arts degree, you can take an online classroom. I know it's not the same, but like if someone, like like I said, if I had a VR company, I'd be making online, I'd be working out an online classroom system. Like I'd be doing that yeah. right now. I mean, if you could do that, it could be far more collaborative. It could be, you know, a lot cheaper. And yeah. I mean, there, there's like, uh, do you have like, do you see anything like that? Okay. I shouldn't say, do you see like, do do you think that something like that will happen? Like if something like that does happen, would you consider going back and maybe like, I'm not saying go get a degree or maybe taking a course or just, just a collaborative thing with people. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that kind of thing happens outside the university for writing for yeah. the most part. And I think it should, I don't really see a reason because there's only so much you can learn about yeah. writing. Yeah. Mostly you have to read a lot like that's basically a, a complete education for writing It's just to read a lot, but you also have to like do the work and all of the writing courses that I took were not about that. They were about, you know, like creating a culture and, you know, like studying this person, studying this person. It was never like, here's how you um, create like a disciplined writing schedule. Here's how you plan a project. Here's how you, so all of that learning happens outside universities in writers workshops or like professional organizations have conferences. And so those things are far more oriented toward actually like learning the skills to write. So I don't know, maybe universities should kind of take a, a leaf out of their book. Like I've been to some conferences that are craft oriented and were so much better than you know, like this self-selecting group of <laughs> university students, like it was so much more diverse and different people of different ages and different skill levels. And so I just, I just don't think the university is that place. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I don't want to give up on academia. Like I, I, I you, yeah. hear, you hear it a lot and I think there is a place for it, but mm. it's, it's got to, like it's showing it now. It's showing like, you know, things are coming out. Like, I mean, and I think people are getting frustrated, like, especially, like, oh, yo, know, 
um, it's it's something that's coming out recently, and it's um, you know, oh well, you know, COVID nineteen is oh it's attacking you know people of color more. So you know, where's the race issue in this? Or like, oh, women are more affected, even though more men are dying. So it's a sexist. You know, it, I think people are getting sick and tired of it. So hopefully, you know, academia gets away from that. Like, you know, yeah. But I don't know. Like, I it's I, I think something's I think like something's gonna give after this. Like something like it just can't go on. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyways, like I said, we're getting way way far afield. But I don't. Really, <laughs> but okay, your new yeah. book. So if you want to talk about your new book, like, like yeah, like you want to give a little brief synopsis. Like I said, I've read a little bit of it, and it's basically so it's you know two kids. Well, I shouldn't say kids. Like they're teenagers, right? Yeah, and, they're uh, 17, 18, yeah, yeah. just so, kind of at the yeah. end of high school. Yeah, and they, they're they doing a protest against this, basically sounds like a dating app type of thing, and then like, go. You know, yeah, so yeah. there's an app called Tempter, mm-hmm. which uh, has kind of taken the world by storm, um, and it's, it. so you log into it, and it tells you the name of your soulmate, and of course, most people, when this first comes out, they're like, oh, this is a stupid hoax, you know, it probably just, you know, there's probably spyware that grabs a name from your contacts and is just trying to make chaos because the creator is kind of this Elon Musk-esque figure who's this like kind of agent of chaos tech billionaire CEO who is just like a very strange character and very suspicious. And Mm. so, yeah, the main character, Riley, and his girlfriend, Chloe, they're very, very anti-Tempter. They have a podcast where they are trying to take down Tempter because like when it comes out... At first, people think it's a joke, but people start seeing, like, the names that they see on their phones are the people that they've always kind of, you know, the one that got away, or they see a name they don't know, they look them up, mm-hmm. and, like, basically, it's real. These soul, The soulmate thing is real. So uh, it starts screwing up society, and the divorce rate soars, and, and all this bad stuff starts happening. So Chloe and Riley are kind of like taking a stand against it and reinforcing the message that it's a hoax. Don't listen to it. Mm. He's just trying to like make chaos. And then, uh, the tech CEO Decker Lord moves into their city and his son goes to their school. And as soon as he sees him, Riley's like, Oh no. Mm. (laughs) And, uh, he ends up downloading the app and finding out that Noah, the son of the CEO Mm. is his soulmate. So, chaos ensues. All right. Okay. Let's. Like I said, I, I started reading it. I'm gonna like finish it off. But though, are you getting any feedback on it, or are you getting like, are you? Yeah, I've actually been really surprised. So this is my first story that I've posted on Wattpad, mm-hmm. and uh, it's over. It's about uh, five thousand three hundred reads now. Okay. And I started posting it in late January. It's complete now. Um, and that's way more than I ever expected. And the feedback on that site, it's so funny because Goodreads is a site where people just go to kind of shit on books <laughs> and Wattpad is where people go to like read and love books. So I've gotten all positive feedback and, uh, the comments are just crazy because they have the system where you can comment on each line. Mm-hmm. So if a character says a witty line of dialogue, you can add a comment right to it. So mm-hmm. if you look through the story and look at the comments, there's like live reactions to the plot oh. as it unfolds. And it was so fun, um, uh, to just to see people reacting in like real time. Oh, that's but cool. yeah, 
it's been so positive. Okay. Now, you know, please, like, tell me if I'm out of line here, but, like, is this, like, a replacement to self-publishing, or is this, like, like what it was? Yeah, it's like a mix of, it's a self-publishing platform, but it's also a social media platform. Okay. So there's, like, a community on the site, and you can follow people and message people. And so it's um, it's actually quite innovative. And they have they have several programs. That, they've been around about 10 years. Mm. Um, so before it was just a straight, like, you know, post your story, get feedback, that's it. But now they have their own publishing company. They uh, have an award, a yearly award mm. called the Wadis, which is quite prestigious. Um, they host all kinds of contests. Uh, they do brand deals. So... Um, they'll, they'll partner with brands to look for short stories to promote products or messages. Um, and then they have a paid stories program. So if they select you, you can make money off your story. So it's kind of like the YouTube of self-publishing. Okay. Well, hopefully it doesn't go down the road of YouTube. <laughs> it seems it's, it's a very, very positive. They're very stringent with comment, um, uh, policing basically, but it's in a good way. Like, they they do a lot of work to kind of ensure that it stays nice yeah. and positive, which is a nice break. Yeah. I mean, okay, but even if it's like, okay, someone, you know, I enjoyed the story, but I thought this, this, and this, you know, I, I, I took issue with this, this, and this, right? Like, yeah. And they're giving you like criticism. They're not, oh, you're awful. You're, you know, horrible. You're, uh, like, yeah. you're but like. That kind of thing is totally allowed. Like okay. they won't take down just criticism oh. but like for instance anytime you comment a swear word it gets flagged and taken down okay so like it's not um it's not really yeah they don't really police for content they just mm. they police for like certain trigger words mm. and so yeah it's they don't they don't stifle the opinions of commenters but yeah. i'm just amazed that yeah. the co commenters don't want to post anything negative like it's amazing yeah well yeah someone someone's gonna be there like you're stuff my right to tell tell someone that you know they're a, you know you're a fucking idiot yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> so like do you have any i know you said you had a couple of like adult books sitting like kind of in the back burner but are you yeah. working on anything else new right now or are you working on are you just kind of yeah um, so <laughs> my project that I'm working on right now is, um, kind of like the seventh draft of this book. I've been working on it since, uh, early 2017, I think I started it. Mm. Um, and I just can't get it right. So I'm like on my last ditch, but anyway, it's, uh, so on Twitter, I'm kind of known for being a One Direction fan. <laughs> uh, it's so it's, uh, it's kind of the, a story about a boy band. Okay. Um, and I can't seem to get it right, but yeah, just plug it away. Hopefully yeah. this is the final draft. Well, I don't know. Maybe you're going to have to start a boy band, you know, like, cause of that, cause you're not, you're not in a boy band. How can you write about it? Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <coughs> Got to call it Harry Styles. Yeah. Get in. <laughs> Look, I didn't you know. I, I don't want to take too, too much of your time, but you got anything else you want to talk about? Like, uh, if there's anything. Anything like didn't go over or you know, uh, frustrations and no. <laughs> uh, frustrations in like young adult fiction or whatever. But, oh. uh, I just kind of wish that um, I just kind of wish that people gave it more chance. Um, this is like a, an evergreen YA yeah. topic. Like it, it, there's always the the talk about how it doesn't really get a fair shake. So I just kind of wish that more people 
would pick up like some of the bigger books in it. So I recommend giving it a try. Take a yeah. wander through when, when bookstores are open. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and again, like I said, you know, like, I, I, you know, it's not something that I go look for, but I was going to talk to you. So I started reading your book and you know, I'm horrible mm. that I read like a bunch of books at one time. So yeah. I'll start one, then I'll go to the next. It, 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 I think it's like the online thing. You know, I, you have nowhere attention oh, yeah. span, so I can read like a chapter, then I got to go read something else. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, like I, I'm bad that way, but you know, it's not that I'll never read it. Uh, yeah. There, there's some stuff I have read, and it's, and then that's mainly in the things that I like when I want to read for pleasure, which is mm-hmm. fan- fantasy or sometimes science fiction. So you can find a lot of like you know, a lot of that is. You know, coming of age stories and stuff like yeah. that too, right? So there's so, a lot of crossover. Like yeah. it really just depends on. It's such a marketing thing that yeah. there are tons of books that are sci-fi yeah. or fantasy that technically could be considered YA. Like yeah. even Game of Thrones, most of the characters are teenagers. Yeah, and if you think about that, that gets kind of like if you watch the show <laughs> and you think about what they're how old they're supposed to be. That's like that's a little disturbing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing they <laughs> they kind of aged them up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, because that would that, that definitely would have been uh, a big taboo. Anyways, yeah. look, uh, thanks for coming on, and I'll put the links yeah. to your books and everything uh, in the description. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening.